Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I'm your host, Gregory Robinson. And I'm Yimin Chen, the co-host today. And with us, uh, we have Jennifer Blythe. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, so you just, first of all, congratulations are in order because you just finished your master's. You defended literally yes. yesterday. Right yes, here? literally yesterday. I think a round of applause. Yay! <laughs> Congrats. Thanks. But uh, you have some very interesting research and you're in the Department of Biology, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And so what in particular is your project about? Because biology can be about so many different things. Yeah, that's a very big umbrella, but mine would probably be more like environmental science than biology. So a lot about environment and sustainability rather than when people think of biology, they're like, oh, you study cells and genes or birds. It's a big one at Western too. Yeah. A lot of people study birds, but no, I study more at the environmental side of an, I guess, contaminants, I would say. So that's where kind of the mercury stuff comes in. So, and some bacteria, but okay. mostly the mercury. <laughs> so, so what in particular about mercury are you interested in? Um, it's how it's toxic, I suppose. It's I'm interested in how it and how it's formed, methylmercury in particular, because not not all mercury is organic. So most of it in the environment is actually inorganic. So and it's everywhere. It's on this table. It's it's everywhere. It's like ubiquitous. So so all the organic foodies like they want the organic. Mercury? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you go to any sort of hipster market, you want the real organic stuff. You don't want the actually. If you're trying to be healthy, you don't want the organic stuff because <laughs> that's the stuff that's going to accumulate in your tissue. And that's when people talk about methylmercury poisoning. They're talking about the organic form, okay, but just okay. don't tell the hipster flea market people. So like organic, <laughs> just bad for for mercury at least. Yes. Do, yeah. Do, do people actually want to consume a small amount of mercury? Side question. I don't know if you know this. Oh, I no, I don't. That would be really weird. But I suppose. Like, is small amounts won't hurt you. Is non like is non methylated mercury okay for you then? Yeah, if you're gonna like drink a thermometer, probably not, because uh, it's like a lot of mercury. But if it's just a small amount, yeah, oh uh, yeah, be fine. I don't know why you would want to introduce it into your diet unless I kn I knew someone mm. who was just really focused on gains, and so they ate too much tuna and gave themselves meth methylmercury poisoning. Wow. But they must have eaten a lot yeah. because it's not easy to get it. <laughs> yeah, I think a part of Gradcast we do not support mercury poisoning and don't consume too much mercury yes <laughs> it's generally right. good i mean but uh, anyway, we're getting side heard uh <laughs> mercury poisoning in the context of fish you're you saying tuna mm -hmm. do do tuna eat mercury like how how does mercury get into uh something like tuna that's a good question well it's delicious first off i'm kidding wait uh, tuna or mercury <laughs> uh both both all right uh, mercury with tuna and tuna with mercury but uh it gets into it first starts off so it's what I study is kind of like the basis, the the basics of how methylmercury is produced because okay. it starts off, it's inorganic mercury is everywhere. And then the methylation process is what actually puts like this methyl group, methyl, not meth, methyl group okay. on um, inorganic mercury. And so it's or that molecule is organic. And so it can kind of like accumulate on like little algae cells and things like that. And then... Um, eventually it gets into these small fish and then it biomagnifies up food chain. So that just means as it moves up the food chain and higher level consumers, it comes more and more and more concentrated until it gets to kind of threshold levels in predatory fish. And then that's what, if humans are eating, you'll get mercury poisoning because there's these high levels. Hmm. For, for those that don't really have a good chemistry understanding, when you say inorganic mm -hmm. mercury, is that just like pure mercury? 
It's yeah. like a metal, right? It's a metal, yeah. So yeah. metals can enter our bodies. We, we, we use things like iron and stuff like that. Yeah. So our bodies can take up metals, and that's not a problem. Um, with inorganic mercury, that's generally not. Yeah. Unless, like I said, you were, like, smashing thermometers and drinking them. But, you know, generally that's not a good idea. But, yeah, so in most of, most of the mercury in the environment is inorganic. Um, and it just it doesn't have doesn't have the ability to kind of because everything in our body is it's organic being meaning that it's like living Mm -hmm. tissue um so it can accumulate Mm -hmm. methylmercury can but inorganic mercury not so much so the the methylation process of the mercury Mm -hmm. is what makes it organic Mm -hmm. and then it can like attach to like cells and whatnot because it's now it has that methyl group exactly yeah so it can accumulate in tissue Mm. and then also kind of cross the what they call like the blood brain barrier in your brain um and that's where it causes like the the neuro effects so it's it's what they call like a neurotoxin mm-hmm. because it affects your your nervous system so that's when people are talking about mercury poisoning that's some well what sort of effects might mercury poisoning have in in a person um it can be kind of like slowed mental responses to things i mm-hmm. think there's there's a lot of Especially with if you're pregnant too, like it can affect the development of the fetus as well, like the neurodevelopment of the fetus. I'm not a physiologist or okay. like a, so I'm not entirely sure of all the things. I I study how it gets methylated, but once it's in humans, that's their problem. I mean, you know, not in a bad way, just in a, <laughs> I don't know what happens way. You're screwed. But yeah. basically, <laughs> bottom line, it's bad for your brain. Yeah. And probably bad for the brain of developing fetuses. Yes. Yeah. So lay off the tuna uh, mm-hmm. salad if you're pregnant. Yes. That's the generally a good mm. idea. Where is mercury? Like, the, where's the majority of mercury found? Where can like common sites that we get mercury poisoning from uh just the methyl just from eating fish is a big one yeah inorganic mercury is like everywhere it's in rocks it's in and so that's why like activities like coal burning and stuff like that that we humans love to do also release a bunch of mercury to the atmosphere um so that's one of the roots of how it can be deposited to other areas so uh, there's increased amounts of mercury now in the atmosphere, but no one has to worry. It's not going to hurt you only when it's methylated. So mm. again, be careful with the fish because that's where a lot of it accumulates. So is there like a cycle? So you're saying we burn coal that mm-hmm. releases mercury into the atmosphere and then like, and then where does it go? Yeah, it's the atmosphere and that can get deposited. So there's a lot of fun chemistry involved in like okay. how it gets deposited, but um, basically it can accumulate, like plants can take it up because yep. they're like breathing from the atmosphere so they, they can take it into their um, leaves as well and it can be deposited that way. Or And then it makes it w- its way through the food chain. Yes. So yeah, okay. it, it makes its way into mostly um, like aquatic systems are the ones that are actually methylating the mercury. So it's inorganic, it's inorganic, it's fine, no one's getting hurt. And then it gets into like wetlands and things like that and it gets methylated and then it's sad. And then look out. Yes. <laughs> okay. So what aspect of this uh, did you study? Uh, the methylation part of it. So what okay. affects mercury methylation? So um, in aquatic systems, there's these, and I didn't really look at the bacteria specifically myself because mm-hmm. bacteria are hard to look at and I don't really, I'm not a big genetics person. So it was, but anyway, you can look you at. You gotta squint really hard to yeah. see the tiny ones, right? Yeah, yeah, see, I'm, yeah, I'm nearsighted, so I don't think I'd be mm. able to do that. Okay. But, um, you know, one can try, but I squinted hard enough, didn't see any of the bacteria, but I know okay. they're there. Yep. Um, there's these bacteria that live in like environments like wetlands. Mm-hmm. Um, they're called sulfate-reducing bacteria, but basically they like breathe sulfate. So much like you and I breathe oxygen, they use sulfate. So 
they live in areas that have no oxygen in them. So if you have wetland soils, a lot of the time they're waterlogged. Okay. And so there's no oxygen there. So then these sulfate reducing bacteria are like, yay, we outcompete all the things that use oxygen. So they're there and they're using this sulfate and no one knows why, but these type of bacteria uptake this inorganic mercury, they methylate it, and then they export it as methylmercury for some reason. No one's sure why. It might be like some sort of detox mechanism that they're okay. using, but it's like a, it's a weird, but they are the ones that are doing the methylating in these So they detox themselves. And, and they toxify everyone else. Okay. <laughs> so like these bacteria, mercury is like their poop. Basically, yeah. yeah. It's just a byproduct of their metabolism. So yeah, basically and their, their poop. poop kills us. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Toxic. Just don't eat poop. Yeah. yeah. Don't, yeah. don't eat mercury or poop. Or both. Wouldn't, wouldn't happen to be part of some sort of nefarious bacterial scheme to just destroy higher levels of life on Earth so they could take over. It Is could it? it could possibly be. Um, if there was anything that was going to take over, it's right. going to be bacteria. I okay. mean, we all know it. It just, it's, it's, it wouldn't, hopefully it's not the sulfate reducing bacteria because I've grown to sort of like them. Uh, so I'd hate okay. to sort of see them be the ones to take everyone down. But I mean, respect too, you know. Can these but, like sulfate reducing bacteria, do I get that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do these bacteria, can they live, like you said that they're really, like they're found a lot in areas with low amounts of oxygen. Mm -hmm. Is like oxygen, large amounts of oxygen, like sort of like poisonous to them? Can they be found outside of these low oxygen areas? Yeah, there are some that can, but for the most part there, you introduce oxygen and then you've got all these aerobic bacteria. So bacteria that use oxygen, like you and I use oxygen, they're more competitive and they so they outcompete, outcompete them. Yeah. So they can't, they're only good in like low oxygen environments, so... Can you find compete. this in like Mars then or something? Oh, maybe that would be really neat. But yeah, I'm not sure. There might be some bacteria on Mars. Who knows? Is there sulfur on Mars? I don't know. Sulfate, I guess mm -hmm. they would need. Hmm. There might be. Fun fact for astronomers: Where's Gavin when you need him? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, maybe it's all the uh, the methyl mercury they produced that killed off the prehistoric life on Mars. Yeah. That's definitely. And now it. they're mm -hmm. aiming for us. Yep. So watch out. <laughs> okay. Evil bacteria that poop yeah. mercury. <laughs> so speaking of these bacteria, you were saying that you weren't looking at them directly. Mm -hmm. So like what aspect of the uh, the, the methyl mercury process were you, were you studying? Uh, the addition of sulfate. So that's, that's what they're using to breathe. Okay. So I was looking at how much, if you add sulfate, do they methylate more mercury? And surprise, the answer is yes. So <laughs> if there's, and so I looked at some of these different, they were peatlands, but they're basically mm -hmm. just these wetlands where these bacteria are living. And then I looked at all these peatlands in Ontario, so three different ones. I actually looked at the Sifton Bog was one of the sites, mm. which is in oh, yeah, here in London. Right? Yeah. So yeah, um, which was kind of cool to go do. I got to go off-roading. I felt very special because we got to go off the boardwalk and walk around on this spongy thing. Walking in peatland, by the way, is not very fun. You get stuck all the time and it feels like it's trying to grab you down it's very it's it's so it's like quicksand basically like yeah. what kids well as a kid i imagine quicksand would mm -hmm. be exactly okay except I, it smells more oh. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound like fun i just want to make sure i got this right so like sulfur and sulfate is kind of like their oxygen yes yeah and so like when you give it more oxygen it poops more yes in the form of mercury yes exactly in that makes sense mercury give it yeah. give it more uh food and it just poops yeah more in more out yeah <laughs> Exactly. So yeah, yeah. If you do give it more sulfate, they do methylate more mercury, and that's. And then the next question is always, well, why? Why does that matter? Mm -hmm. And um, there's, I mean, in the particularly in north of Ontario, there's lots of mining going or, or on, and so the particular site we looked at, 
um, was the De Beers Victor mine, which is, yeah, it's it's up in the north. And um, there's um, sulfate that can come off waste rock there. Mm-hmm. So when they dig up all this rock and they plop it on top of a wetland, sulfate can kind of leach off that waste rock. And then the bacteria are really happy. They're like, yay, there's more oxygen or there's more sulfate here. Right, yeah. And so there's an increase in methylmercury production. So they've been monitoring that as well. And so that was one of the field sites we were looking at as well to see if yeah, there's this increase in sulfate in the environment. Is it causing more methylmercury production? Because um, they're obviously connected to lakes and things like that. And then you worry about it getting into lakes and food. And Okay, yeah, because, I mean, that would have been my question. Like, what are the consequences of this increased methylmercury production? Because, well, I mean, you sort of alluded to it now, but I was going to say no one, I think, right, walks around like licking peat bogs no like so how i mean you don't i do but (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) wow biology field work is way more interesting you really want to get very invested in our work so touch it taste it feel it you know they're very tasty yeah okay that methyl mercury really just yeah. is potent. I mean, does it have a flavor? Not. I imagine it would. Yeah. I imagine like the peat or the methyl mercury. Methyl mercury probably not. The peat okay. would probably taste really bad uh, because there's also these bacteria called methanogens, so they mm-hmm. give off methane. And I don't know if you've ever smelled methane. It doesn't smell very good. That's so like I'm, the rotten egg sort of smell. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's kind, kind of thing, it's right? gross. Okay. Yeah. Once again, I just want to reiterate that we do not support people <laughs> eating bacteria that produce mercury. Or methylmercury? No, or... Don't lick peat bogs. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) You'll have a bad time. That's just a good life tip right there. Mm -hmm. And that's why they have so much, like, built-up organic, like, peat matter is because decomposition is so slow. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard about the bog bodies that they found in there? Because decomposition is so slow there that people, like, they're in this bog and they get perfectly, like, preserved because Hmm. the decomposition is so slow that they just... You should look it up. It's really cool. They're called bog bodies. It's very creepy, but very interesting. And that's just because it's so, it's cold. A lot of wet peatlands are cold and they're, they're nutrient poor and they don't have oxygen. So decomposition is so slow that they just preserve these bodies in there. It's really weird. Hmm. I never just, found one, thank goodness. But Okay, because <laughs> I, I was going to check. Uh, did you find, uh, are you talking about bog bodies in like northern Ontario? They're, they're in different types of like wetlands. I don't know if there's any specifically in northern Ontario, but they've been found, I imagine, probably in Russia somewhere. That's where there's a lot of okay. peatlands. Biggest peatland complex is in Siberia, I want to say. So oh, cool. There's probably... Probably you know, a lot of dead bodies there. a lot of dead bodies in there. Maybe just dying from the cold. It's so cold. It's also one of, yeah, the coldest places on Earth, too. So I'm sure a lot of people just... So, like, if you wanted to, like, live until, like, you're... 300 or whatnot or come back to life later on you could just go there and preserve <laughs> like your body and freeze DIY your mind cryogenic freezing yeah. sort of thing okay without mm-hmm. having to pay for it you just gotta exactly. flight over there and you're good that's organic that's organic yeah. cryogenic freezing there you that's go. how you want to if you want to be <laughs> organic that's what you got to do but because it preserves so well probably not a great place to dump um you know a, a dead body if you are committing murder yeah. Yeah, no absolutely not okay they would be and, and again we are not condoning <laughs> murder uh, on this program what are we only condoning? If it, only if you, it's in science. a box. Science. <laughs> We're condoning That's science. right, research. Grad um, school. That, that took a bit of a turn. Yeah, it did. Uh, l- so so <laughs> l- let's get back to methylmercury. <laughs> um, so you were saying uh, one of the concerns is that in these big mining projects up mm-hmm. north in Ontario, uh, the extra sulfate that gets dumped into these uh, wetlands, peat bogs and stuff, will 
induce the bacteria to produce more methylmercury, mm-hmm. which then perhaps gets washed downstream, and 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 then what? Oh, get, oh, once it's produced and gets washed downstream, yeah. then yeah, it can. So once it's produced, it I think the first step of its accumulation in the mm-hmm. food chain is it absorbs onto like algae okay. that are in the water or or small like little organic particles, and then these can be taken up by like the low the low levels of the food chain, so like little phytoplankton or like little fish, and then eventually it just starts accumulating as 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 a bigger fish eats a smaller fish, et cetera, until it's reaching these like really toxic levels and these higher level consumers. And then you eat the fish and you're getting these like heavy loads of methylmercury because it's just been accumulating each step of the food chain. So that's that's kind of, so it does, it. it's produced in a lot of like wetlands and then it gets washed into the lakes and then that's where it can actually start to accumulate in um, organisms. And then, so eventually you might find it in your like supermarket trout or, or like pickerel if you go fishing or something like that. Yeah, okay. yeah. And it, it, it depends on it depends on the level of, so they've found that, yeah, like catchment areas that have a lot more wetlands in them mm-hmm. export a lot more methylmercury. So mm. it depends on where the fish are caught. If they're caught in areas where there are a lot of wetlands, it's they have the potential to have higher levels of methylmercury in them. And of course, people monitor these things because of that, because they don't want... If there's high levels of methylmercury, like, eh, don't eat that fish. And again, for the most part, um, commercial fish is not going to have super high levels of methylmercury. Only if you eat like way too much of it, then so just moderate your intake. Oh, Sounds like th- a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you want to take the next kind of three months off? Because if you do, uh, why don't just you know that's a good excuse for you know not wanting to come. I'm like, I have mercury poisoning. I can't. I'm you know, I I can't think. <laughs> Oh man, YouTube fame, here I come. <laughs> Watch out for uh, hashtag mercury poisoning challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Please do not do this though. Um, to come back to your research though, you said that your your research was about the methylation process within mm. these bacteria. Mm. So you actually like culture these bacteria in different sort of mediums than what most people would use, I'm assuming, without yeah. oxygen, high in sulfur and study this process? Yeah, so when people do actually have them in pure culture, they do have them in these anoxic environments. I didn't culture them myself, so I didn't have pure cultures of them. I just took um, like peat samples, so soil samples from these different peatlands that I was looking at, and then I took them back to the lab and then like pumped them with uh, different levels of sulfate to see where's methylmercury highest coming. So I sampled sort of outlet water, so it was more like a a flow-through experiment, so I wasn't actually culturing them or looking at the bacteria, but I know they're there because I measured their activity. Hmm. So I was able to know they're there, there's methylmercury production going on, but I never actually cultured them. But yeah, if you wanted to culture them, it'd have to be in a completely anaerobic environment. So that was really fun, packing these columns full of peat to put in the experiment because it all had to be under nitrogen. So it's me in this giant inflatable bag with these like hand pockets that I'm in trying to manipulate this tiny little tool to push peat into these columns. It was a lot of fun. I think I might have tendonitis and carpal tunnel from that, but But it was worth it. It was worth it. Okay. So how do you, again, can can you walk us through the the process of collecting these Mm. peat samples? I imagine that's what you were doing when you were like tromping through the wetlands and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it just like a shovel? Do you scoop it into a bag? Like what, what you that said like? is exactly what we did. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's very scientific. Yep. You take a shovel, 
and then you kind of you go oh that looks like it's about 30 centimeters down and then you shovel it into a garbage bag because you want to exclude light too because the this peat is like packed beneath you know layers and layers of other vegetation so it's always in the dark mm-hmm. so you want to keep it in the dark you want to keep it wet because you want to make sure it's saturated so there's not much oxygen going in so yeah a shovel it's really hard it makes a really big sucking sound when you're trying to pull it up because all this like suctioned organic matter that's just like full of water it's also really heavy so me and my one lab mate were carrying it through this peatland on this tiny little boardwalk and then we've got this big cooler and it's like I don't know. It's it's heavy. I don't know how heavy it is. I also don't want to let people know how much I can't carry because that's probably <laughs> true too. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, it was 30 pounds and I couldn't I couldn't carry it. <laughs> but it's also like you're walking through the the wetlands, or mm-hmm. and it's like it's very cold. I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's wet. It's not easy to cl- walk around, and it's probably very large as well, right? So yeah. going a good distance. Oh yeah, like sometimes like a kilometer in, so you're carrying a cooler, and yeah, it's easy to get stuck because your boots can get stuck in the wetland. So that's always a challenge. And when you're up in sort of more northern Ontario, you have the black flies. I don't oh, know if geez, anyone the has black flies. Yeah, the little black flies. No matter where you go, always a black fly picking your bones. In North Ontario, I.O. I.O. <laughs> in North Ontario, I.O. <laughs> They're bad. I want they bit they they find every little section of skin that you don't have covered, and they go for it. They don't. It doesn't really itch, though. It's more just a. They just take chunks out of you. So just watch out for them. They're bad. <laughs> but yeah, they're worse. I think they're worse than mosquitoes in some ways. But there's always lots of bugs in North Ontario. I think I said North Ontario because I have that in my mind now. But yeah. <laughs> so how do you protect yourself from black flies then? Uh, bug nets. Okay. Um, so, I, so, like sometimes bug spray will work, but for the most part. Um, yeah, you're just trying to wear a bug net. But then it also kind of, um, we sampled in the summer, so it was also mm-hmm. kind of hot. So you have all these layers Ooh. on. And then also your bug net, and you're just kind of baking in the sun. And you're greasy because you have sunscreen on. It's just, it's it's an experience. But everyone should have it. I think it's, you know. <laughs> you got some, like, muddy water <laughs> yeah. on there or something. Field work is fun. It's very rewarding at the end of the day. It builds character. It does. It does. And thicker skin, literally, because there's bugs biting you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any encounters with any uh, larger animals? I wish. I oh. Well, I don't actually necessarily wish because um, at the, when we are really northern site, so in mm-hmm. like James Bay, uh, they do have like black bears that come through. So um, I remember them, we got to do fun bear training. So like bear bangers and what else, like things that were supposed to deter bears. So I remember always going out there and being like, I hope I would never have to use it. But yes, yeah, so I'm glad I never saw any bears. I would have liked to see a caribou because they're up there. Okay. Um, so I, we did have, uh, I think, one person in our lab who did actually see a caribou when she was up there, which is wow. really, really neat. Um, but I did see a moose one time when I was in um, kind of like a, a peatland that's kind of North Ontario near Lake Superior. We saw a moose. We saw a lynx, actually, that was just kind of on the side of the oh, road, that's which really is kind of cool. neat. Um, but yeah, and other than that, nothing really. Just lots and lots and lots of flies. So. Do you have like a favorite <laughs> favorite wetland that you went to? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, um, I do really like this. The Sifton Bog is very unique because it's mm-hmm. kind of it's right in the middle of an urban space, which is really cool. So if no one's been there, you should check it out. It's really cool. And you won't find any bog bodies, but you know, you'll find you know an odd tennis ball for someone who's not yet at least a, a very well preserved <laughs> tennis ball. Yeah, I was like, who's throwing at that for their dog? I mean, they probably never saw the dog again. You might still find a dog body, <laughs> but um, <Whoa>. yeah, <laughs> that that was that was interesting. But I did really like the. Hey, if it was cats, I would have been okay with it. Dogs, yeah. I can yeah. draw the line there. That's fair. I would have to agree with that. Yemen obviously Sorry, is disagreeing right now. <laughs> look by the I, look I of his face. I love all the animals. Oh, Why really? you gotta hate on cats? 
Not a big fan. All right. Look, you ask yeah. any of the bird people at Western, they all hate cats. Yeah, they're they do. killing. Have you ever heard about that bird? I, no, it was that a cat, Tibbles, that single-handedly killed off an entire species. It was like a lighthouse keeper's cat on this small little remote island where this flightless bird was only there, and he killed off the whole species. Sounds like a keep... badass cat. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I take it birds <laughs> deserve it. Um, probably not. Okay. <laughs> so, That's are there, um. You know, sort of takeaways from your research. You you mentioned again mining and sort of resource extraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see your work being used in you know perhaps informing environmental policy in the future? Oh yeah, I would for sure hope so. Um, yeah, because it, I mean a lot of the spatial stuff we did too at some of these areas showed mm-hmm. that like it can accumulate methyl mercury can accumulate long term in peat in these peatlands. So even after mining has stopped, which you know they're shutting down the mine. Um, there's no more sulfate being loaded to the environment. It can still constitute a source of methylmercury for a long time after it's been shut down. So I hope that this will help with remediation strategies and recognizing that it's not just you shut it down and you clear out. Um, there needs to be monitoring that's going on after, which they which they do do, but it's it's hard to know how how long to monitor some place for. So can mercury be like used for anything useful? Thermometers, right? Other than thermometers. thermometers. Okay. Yeah. I don't think most people use them in thermometers anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. Like safely, safe safe uses of mercury. Safe uses of mercury? People use it as like um, an amalgam and like mine, again, with mining. So it like binds to gold. So oh. so when you're mining and you want to just extract the gold, you can use it as that. So it'll bind to the gold and then you can filter it out based on weight because mercury is also, I don't know if anyone's ever held liquid mercury, hopefully not nope. just in your bare hand, but in something else that's protecting. It's very heavy. So, really? yeah, so people are able to ex- use it to extract things in mining processes, and yeah. Cool. And as a last name, if you're a really badass singer also, so <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Very true. He was amazing. <laughs> Let's be real. Shout out to Queen. But um, thank you for so much. Thanks for so much for coming <laughs> yeah, on. No like it's, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank um, you for having me. This has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Gregory Robinson. My name is Yiman Chen, and we had Jennifer Blythe. And this episode was produced by Laura. If you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at gradcastradio. To listen to us, we're on the radio at CHRW 94.9 FM. You can also find all of our episodes on our website at gradcast.ca or on podcast apps like Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Alternatively, select podcasts have been uploaded to YouTube at Gradcast Radio. Thank you for listening and have a great night. Congratulations, kid! Thank you! (laughs) 